mm-hmm. and the why won't you look at me um, is pretty deliberate at why won't you look at what you still haven't dealt with? Why won't you look at your emotions that you still haven't processed? Why won't you try to come to terms with and process in a healthy way how and why I am gone and the feeling of the loss in general? Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of Purple Hyacinth. We're here with Brendan and Veronica, who has been on way, way back when we first started, on episode 82. So welcome back, Veronica, and you may want to reintroduce yourself and let people know who you are. Hi, uh, I'm Veronica, and uh, I teach. I love teaching uh, early childhood and uh, some background. Uh, I'm a musician as well. And, uh, you know, I just moved, I just moved to Delco area. So shout out to Delco. And I am a huge geek and I love a lot of webtoons and Purple Hyacinth is probably my favorite. So I'm really happy to be back. I've missed gushing about it. I'm just <laughs> letting the love out. <laughs> so it's a gush. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So we left off with poor Kieran. I'll turn these off searching for um, hypnotized Lauren, who thinks she is a child. And we see her roaming around. She is eating cotton candy, super happy, listening to music. And see, she sees a bunch of people standing in the distance, and there's noise. So she's like, okay, let's see what's going on there. She's curious. And now she sees a member of the circus, and all the members of the circus are standing around and holding lamps. Very similar to the lamps that she and Dylan released. And they all have names of people on them. And this person says, thank you all for joining us tonight. When our formation got started in the streets of Cha- uh, Great Chapel 15 years ago, we were nothing but a group of orphans and tramps with only our tenacity, our creativity um, to survive in that ruthless world. We were starving, sick, cold. We may have risen to fame, but we will never forget nor hide where we came from and the people we've lost to sickness and poverty along the way. This is why we made it our vow to donate a part of our profits to those who need it most. And, you know, all the members are, are saying this. And tonight we are gathered here to commemorate them and anyone dear whom you've lost as we release these lanterns in the sky to carry our prayers to the heavens. And they all rest in peace. And the lanterns have names, um, in this case, for them, of various circus members. We have like Achilles and Nyx. And yeah, what do you guys make of this, of this scene and this memorial? Um, I think it kind of, like, I, I don't know if there's, like, a cultural practice, potentially, of, like, releasing lanterns up into the sky with names and stuff, because we saw that in 107, it was um, when Dylan and Lauren did it, it was for Dylan's mom, so I think this is a, just a really sweet and genuine gesture, and I think even though she's a child, Lauren would still be able to tell if there was some sort of lie or performance having to do with this. And there's no lie. So I think this is just a genuine like show of remembrance, appreciation, and all that. And it's it's a very beautiful, touching scene. 
Yeah, I actually, I never thought of that, but you're totally right. And we are shown in a couple other episodes previously that Lauren does have that ability, even when she's a kid. In fact, Dylan, there's a conversation between her and Dylan where he refers to her ability with that. And that is actually, I never thought of that. That's really cool, Bundan. Um, and I, I really love this scene as well. It was, I, I really love the illustration of it, especially the two things that I love to see um, F and Soph, uh, Soph draw out is hair. She's really great at drawing hair and light. She is wonderful at drawing light, especially like fire and the shadow play with that. So anytime I get to like see this on a panel, uh, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. It is beautiful. And the thing that struck me was that they're not hiding their past. And I think a lot of people, if they come from like more impoverished backgrounds or more violent written backgrounds, they're always embarrassed about it. And, you know, they try to pretend that like they didn't come from that kind of background. But here they're very, and especially we know that we've seen a lot of people express cynicism and scorn towards the lower classes and, um, you know, the South side. So the fact that they are proudly, you know, saying this is where we're from and we're proud of our achievements, despite where we come from and want to remember the people that we lost. I think that is wonderful that they don't need to hide their past, that they are self-actualized and they feel complete with who they are and they're, you know, whole with their past self and their whole, their present self. And I just think it's so psychologically healthy and happy for them. Yep, and they're they're releasing lanterns with more, you know, Greek names. So, you know, we presume they're part of the, the circus, Aphrodite and Eris. And it's just very beautiful. It's just a beautiful scene. And obviously we're wondering, like, is this gonna trigger Lauren and her memories? Like what what is this gonna you know, what is it gonna make Lauren remember? And Lauren <laughs> what, what were you thinking was gonna happen when she saw the the lanterns? I was thinking that, like, yeah, she's definitely going to get a flashback to that memory with Dylan, right? And because she's still technically a child, so she's reverted back to that childhood. She probably has some of those memories, like, high on the surface right now as well. Um, but or I don't know how, like, hypnosis works, if it, like, can do that sort of thing where it pulls from that. But it seems pretty, uh, like, realistic that she would see this and, like, associate it, like, even on a subconscious level with her memories of Dylan. I actually have been hypnotized before. Um, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as dramatic as, as an experience. I've seen other people successfully hypnotized before as well um, in more kind of this vein of, you know, like being able to still like perform different actions under hypnosis I was not that way I was passed out <laughs> I mean I was saying stuff but I was like definitely passed out um but I could totally see this kind of thing happening actually in real life um and uh actually um it, what was really cool and I didn't think about it until now because the scene just made sense for me um but I think what was probably a little bit really well done is the way in which um the flashback is kind of sort of triggered um, because I know for me, for me, uh, when I was hypnotized, it was to remember some things that, uh, had happened in very deep past and, and the way it kind of, the way I kind of got there, uh, mentally, and this is just going off of my experience. Other people I know have reported, you know, uh, going through a similar process, but I'm not going to speak for everybody, but for me, 
um, it definitely was kind of kind of there. Like at one moment you're going through this and just like we see in the panel at one moment, you know, Lauren, she's in this ceremony. She's, you know, she just found some cotton candy. She's seeing these lights and the next, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm in this place and I'm remembering something and, um, Oh, wow. I actually just had another memory. Now I was hypnotized twice. The one time it was not very nice. And it did kind of happen like that. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden I didn't know where I was or what I was doing mentally. And I just, I, I will never forget. I actually did start crying out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is when my friend was hypnotizing me and she was just like, all right, we're going to end this now. And so actually seeing that of kind of how she kind of flipped on a dime, that is actually somewhat realistic. That can happen. It happened to me. So I thought it was kind of cool, but it's not always going to be um, super detailed. So I love how, you know, when she has that flashback, you know, it's just kind of a general thing. Um, like it's specific to what it is, but it's not, you know, she's not having a conversation with Dylan or anything like that. And that mm -hmm. distinguishes it from some of the flashback scenes we've seen before of her memories. Mm -hmm. This really shows us how she internalized that and how she felt about that whole event, which is something actually really uh, rare for us to see is for her to be raw and vulnerable. I feel like a lot of the scenes we've seen in the past of Lauren being vulnerable have been more of what she's come away and processed from it. And it's kind of cool to see how slowly with this whole event, um, with this whole endeavor that she's going through with Kieran and her new relationships and her evolving as a person, we slowly see the layers being peeled back. And I feel like uh, the scene was really, it was really well done in a way that we're finally getting to the heart of some of her things as a character, but it makes sense and it feels complete and it doesn't feel overplayed. So mm -hmm. that was really cool. It was one of my favorite moments from the episode. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that, you know, her experience echoed yours. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> one thing <laughs> I want to mention quick though, is um, I'm impressed that after Lady A dealt with her hair, it wasn't like crazy. It's just like <laughs> pigtails and bows and everything. It's a bit more yeah. than what she had, obviously. She just had a ponytail, but was, I was expecting Lady A to go hard and she just kind of uh -huh. actually gave her a look that better suited the outfit, so. <laughs> I actually like totally forgot. I was um I looked at the panel, I was like, wow, her hair is different. I totally did not connect it to Lady A. <laughs> and I honestly also forgot and just like made her hair all different. So that was totally my <laughs> dumbness. <laughs> but yeah. Um so Lauren does have like some kind of trigger from this because you see suddenly her face looks all serious and she looks at it, she's like a gas, and she has these big memories. She has well, specific memory of Dylan, you know, um, when they release the lanterns and he says, if it's just one step at a time, it doesn't seem so bad, does it? And we see a beautiful image of her eye, just, you know, the lanterns and it's like kind of going closer. And then you see her eyes are swimming with, with tears. And then you see her tears coming down her, her cheek and she just like runs away. And it's a beautiful image, just heading into the night, you know, the Ferris wheels illuminated behind her, someone's holding a child's hand and she's running Oh, sorry. And then we had someone else running to cure it. So she basically had this emotional reaction and we'll see, like, she doesn't understand why, but she has this primal reaction of sadness. 
Yeah, it can be like em emotions, right? Like small, like you could be in a bad mood all day and not really come to the core of it really. Or like you don't like consciously understand why, but like if you think about it long enough, you might be able to her being hypnotized. Obviously she doesn't have that capacity right now, but um, we feel emotions really deeply as people and they can affect us a lot in like how we do things so like just seeing that triggering that memory and like she feels sad like she doesn't think about the actual memory itself it's just looking at those mem those lanterns makes her feel sad and sad to the point that she can't really handle even looking at them anymore and runs away and I think that that's a good way to kind of show like I don't know processing of emotions I guess or lack thereof like Lauren has a, tries to like not think of these things right we see that she only thinks about Dylan really in moments where she's like emotionally like gone through the ringer right like um after she finds the picture in Anthlo's things she has that dream about Dylan or after the explosion and her coming to uh, it happens a bunch throughout the series that she remembers Dylan after being knocked out by Bella we get the whole flashback of Allendale so I think just feeling the emotions very like close to the surface but not really trying to like pro like truly process them and truly try to work your way through them and just kind of putting them to the side trying to like using them to motivate you but also not focusing on them too much has been like her big issue so but then again anybody who goes through a traumatic experience like that just kind of stay with you for a long time it's easier to deal with but you can be triggered by something like you like no matter how well you've like dealt with it so yeah I just it was just really sad to see like Lauren just not like why am I sad and just not being able because she's hypnotized she can't really think about it critically and is kind of just stuck on this downward spiral I think also a big part is that she's processing it with the mind of a, of a child. Yeah. Children don't know how to think, like you said, critically about their emotions. They don't know how to regulate their emotions so well. So that was really the impression I got. Like it was, she really is back in child brain. Yeah. And uh, to add to that really quick, as a, a teacher of children, one of the things that was, uh, just like you're saying, Brendan, you also have to think that from a child's perspective, they don't always often have the vocabulary to even articulate why they're feeling what they're feeling, or sometimes even their feelings. Um, the number one way, for instance, that I know one of my students is feeling anxiety is because she'll just say that her tummy hurts. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know why she's anxious. She doesn't know why her tummy hurts. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that it's because around this time every day, she's hoping that her parents will pick her up. And so she starts to get feeling, you know, she, you see it on her face and everything else. But yeah, kids. And so the processing of emotions is uh, really you know, uh, nuanced and uh, different and uh, complex for human beings. And then it's even more uh, enhance those qualities times 10 for children as well. Mm -hmm. so that's a really good point. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, it was, it was kind of cool to see also how, because we do see in the flashbacks, like you're saying, uh, Bundin, but we never really see 100% you know, Lauren as a child, you know, 
we see flashbacks to Dylan, but we don't always see how she handled it afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I find it interesting that, you know, it's just this whole episode is just so great <laughs> in that yeah. way, in terms of showing that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And now we have someone who's very anxious about her. We see Kieran running around and he thinks to himself, what the hell does she mean? The heck did he mean? He's thinking about that. Gods? What gods? Kieran, you need to listen to our podcast. <laughs> we'll be on the Discord. We have theories. I mean, we were confused about that last week too, right? It's like, who are the gods? What does that mean? But now we know, kind of. And so uh, he's looking around for her, and then suddenly he sees the lanterns, and he sees the names, Nix, Hermes, something, Aries, and he runs towards them. Which I wonder, do you think he ran towards them because he thinks Lauren, you know, child Lauren would be captivated by them? I thought or because, it was they, or because they had the names of the gods up there. Okay, so she said, follow, yeah, follow the lights and the gods oh, are yeah. watching her. So it's <laughs> true. <laughs> Sorry. I think the same thing. I think it was, he interpreted it very literally and it was more like a, okay, I see the God's names and I see the lights. Thank you. I appreciate the literal, <laughs> the literalness. She's gotta be here somewhere. I love that this, that Hecate freaked him out so much that he's just taking what she said, like 100% fact, like she got, <laughs> she pinned him down so well mm -hmm. to like the point where he got really freaked out by her that he's like, I'm gonna do that thing I'm gonna run over here but he's also like doesn't really have any other plan other than just to search randomly so might as well listen <laughs> that's yeah. true um but I love how you are so pointing out that you know Kieran Kieran trusts it completely Kieran's been in these streets man he knows you listen to the psychic all right she says something it's gospel <laughs> we don't mess around mm -hmm. um but also I wonder if so Hecate looks pretty young uh, but I wonder sometimes if he still has, because he's still connected to Belladonna, and at some point, he must have had some sort of connection to the circus. So I wonder how many of his connections he still has, potentially, in the circus. Um, obviously, not all the performers recognize him, but it would be interesting to see at some point in a later episode how many of them are like, I am Kieran. He's like, I am Kieran. And they're all like, oh my gosh, it's you, the person from how long ago. That'll be interesting to see if that happens at all. So I think we, we all speculated that he had involvement with the circus, but honestly, based on like the fact that no one even recognizes him, like maybe he didn't, you know, maybe he just knew Belladonna from their training together and she was in the circus, but like he doesn't seem to have a connection with them that we can see at least. Yeah, I figure because not everybody is part of the circus, like the ones who got involved in the Phantom Scythe after kind of went, to, like did their own specific training for that. So like Raphael and Belladonna are the only two that we really 100% know are involved in some shady shit. Um, Raphael, but like, yeah, <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so I think that he really only interacted with the ones in their capacity in the Phantom Scythe, and maybe they mentioned being in the circus, but I don't think he really has a connection with them, because the remember the first time they went to the circus, he didn't have a mask on or anything, so he couldn't, so if they knew who he was, like, why wouldn't he, like, try to obscure his face or wear a disguise? Because then they would recognize him and be like, why is the purple hyacinth <laughs> at our circus right now, like, 
I don't know. That's just the vibe I get. Anyways, that's all. <laughs> but that is really uh, that is a really funny, funny idea of just like, because I think about also like at the Golden Clover. He just looks almost exactly the same, even with a mask on. He like doesn't change anything. So, but yeah, and he's yeah, the wonder he hasn't been recognized yet. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got those magical skills, mm-hmm. but <laughs> magic makeup skills that he has that we it's know about now. Truly, truly, <laughs> all it takes is two strokes of a brush. You're a new person. <laughs> yeah. So poor Lauren, she is walking now, and you see like her attitude is she's much more dejected walking along the circus and she's you know um, rubbing her nose and sniffing and she looks at a mirror and when she looks at the mirror she sees a child version of herself beautiful image and I, lo- I love how it's so connected with that and she says to her, she says why am I sad oh poor girl and now we have a bunch of rockets going off and fireworks going off and it's a bang bang and we you know most people probably are like oh that's so beautiful but for Lauren triggers her memories and you see you know childhood Lauren framed with adult Lauren just like the the symmetry is so beautiful and you see all her memories of the explosion come up and you know we have the um the timer with the bomb and we have Alan you know like the factory explosion and we have and she like grabs her arm because you know unconsciously she's like wait wait I was shot here and now we have, what is that next image? I could not figure out what it was. It looks like, because we've seen this before in previous episodes. She, when she re- gets like triggered by this stuff, she, she does it, she sees her arm is completely gone, like cut off. So that's her arm, like the frays of her jacket, like cut off and her arm oh. just is bleeding. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. That's also, another thing I liked about these panels, like you see the fireworks and we see the fireworks kind of surrounding younger Lauren. Like that's like the image that Lauren is seeing in the mirror, but the image of like the timers and the bomb and stuff is what she feels mm. so I kind of like that she's got like she visually sees that it's not bombs but her emotions and like her fight or flight has just been triggered by the sounds of explosions and she just gets sent back to the situation that she again has probably has no memory of as well like she's just getting these flashes but can't really articulate them put them together in her head and all that so Yep, that's yeah. so well said. <laughs> and it, that kind of broke my heart. Like, why am I sad? You know, because I think we've all had that moment where at some point in our lives, too, that and this is the part that's kind of really relatable. It's like, whether it's, you know, I thought I dealt with this and now it's coming back up again. So clearly I didn't deal with it all the way. Or even something as fundamental as I really don't know where why I'm sad and just that that helplessness that comes through. And so just seeing that. And then in addition to that, you know, the fact that she is child born. Um, you know, that that just I remember that panel, that panel in particular, just like oh, the heart. Yeah. And uh that is actually something that I thought was really well done is illustrating like the sequence in which she had that kind of PTSD moment and um, especially why she would just like run away um, Mm -hmm. and just go through an absolute chaos ringer, Um, you know, and it can happen like that sometimes. And what I liked about this episode and what I liked about the illustrations, especially is it kind of, it really illustrated kind of as much as you can in drawings and in sound 
um, how sometimes, you know, that PTSD can actually feel mm -hmm. because it's not just a memory thing. It's not just an uncomfortable, you know, mental experience. It's also a physical, visceral one as well. Um, and I, I think that was kind of also important to show. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see the parallels between this and then something like that episode where, uh, you know, she's calling Kieran a monster and then he just flips out because it did something visceral to him. And now we're seeing a, a visceral experience with her. So it's kind of nice to see how it's balancing out with their characters over time. That's a very good parallel. I didn't think about that. But yeah, they're both triggered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she gets a, she's like, and then now we have, and, and you know, this is in the voice, in the, in the music, it's, you know, uh, we see, um, he says, hey, look at me. And we see, this is the Allendale train station, right? I, the, with the, with the red and the horses on top and. I don't know. Is it the circus? I can't figure out, I was looking at it, I was like, this doesn't look super familiar. Because I think it's the circus, I think, I don't know. I thought it was the circus at first because yeah in the if you scroll a little bit to like the next panel where she the man goes to help her and she sees him and he's got like you know he's all terrifying and stuff the background right. is still the same yeah. so I think it's just her perception of her surroundings just mm -hmm. kind of flips and is not um it's kind of like a hellscape uh, <laughs> oh that's awful yeah okay that makes sense and you know now we have this person it's like a sketch it's like a monstrous sketch and why aren't you looking at me so do you think was that supposed to be dylan that monstrous face the person talking to her or is it like that like what's the thing what did you think it was supposed to be i actually didn't interpret it as dylan i mean at first i did but uh when i read through the full panel um by the end of it i was like oh this is really deliberately calling out, especially when it said, why won't you look at me? All this grief, because this, uh, you know, one can interpret purple hyacinth as partly a study on grief mm -hmm. um, and how we deal with that. And one thing that Lauren does, like we were talking about in some of the earlier panels, is she doesn't really face her grief that deliberately. She kind of pushes it to the side or tells herself that she's dealing with it through her quest for uh, retribution and justice, um, but she doesn't actually engage in processing it. it. She doesn't evaluate what is the healthy way to do this. She doesn't evaluate, you know, what is the healthy perspective to take. And in this moment, we see it come to the surface, all the things that she hasn't processed, that she hasn't dealt with yet. You know, we see it come to the surface and she has she's her most authentic self she's her most child self she's the most connected to this that we've at, at least seen as a as readers um that we've at least seen to the original point of trauma for this and dealing with not just the trauma of the initial event but also the processing of now I have to face this loss. So I've experienced this traumatic event, but now the additional trauma of uh, facing this loss mm -hmm. and the why won't you look at me um, is pretty deliberate at why won't you look at what you still haven't dealt with? Why won't you look at your emotions that you still haven't processed? Why won't you 
try to come to terms with and process in a healthy way how and why I am gone and the feeling of the loss in general. So that was really, that was another really poignant moment, uh, I feel. And uh, it's interesting, again, the parallels between her and Kieran, that monster scene where he's called a monster and he takes on that shape. And then she has her monsters that she hasn't acknowledged yet. And uh, sometimes the monsters in our nightmares are not necessarily ones of anger and rage, but sadness and grief that will suck you in. Dementors, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you are, I think that that analysis is like 100, 100% correct. Uh, I feel like another added layer potentially is like, so when the guy asks to help her or like, are you okay? And she sees him as like a gaunt, like corpse almost, like decomposed. That kind of reminds me when she thinks back to all the people that she's kind of indirectly led to their deaths, like her, the, the loon prisoners and the, the guards oh. and, the, and the police in the factory and all these things. We see that she thinks about them sometimes and like it kind of, it makes her upset, right? That was a big part of why she was upset with Kieran was because the people that she helped basically bring to their deaths. So I think that could be a potential layer as well of like the guilt that she feels not only for not being able to help, the inability for her to deal with her trauma and process it properly, but also the kind of weight of her actions that she and Kieran have like taken on to themselves. And we obviously know that Kieran is very, very good at hiding how that affects him, but we know that it still affects him. But now we see more of how it affects Lauren and how it manifests in her. And I think that's great. Not great for them, obviously, but it's great to see. <laughs> I'd rather they be well adjusted and traumatized. I know, right? I actually love that you bring that up, Bundan, because that is something that, you know, I never thought about. Um, and uh, something really interesting to think about, because when we think about it, it's kind of been go, go, go. I mean, they had that one moment in the bathroom where she's kicking his butt. But even after that, they had to, you know, they really haven't had a moment to stop and she hasn't had a moment to just stop and think about and process this. Now when she's, you know, as a kid, none of those thoughts about the mission is going through her mind. So it's an empty space. So that is very typical of the psyche to just, oh, you're settled now? All right, let's deal with this. <laughs> let's deal with this uh, recent guilt and shame. And yeah, that is such an incredible analysis. I love that. Oh, wouldn't it be so nice if in one episode we got them kind of talking about this and then that leads into how Kieran deals with it aka how he doesn't deal with it and how he just kind of tries to mentally separate himself (laughs) from it and then all of the good all of the good um vulnerability and character beats will get from that (laughs) Mm -hmm. or or maybe he'll just reject it and not and that's perfectly within his character to be like I'm not talking about this but I <laughs> know uh, I'm dying for them to open up to each other I, I mean okay I guess we'll discuss at, at the end but I'm really curious to see how both of them will well especially Kieran because he's the one who knows but yeah let's see the after effects of this episode so she runs away from this guy she because she sees him like you said this zombie runs pushes him away she's like ah and you know kudos to him he looks very concerned but you know good nice passerby and yeah, he's in her mind, he's just awful looking with this like fire in his eyes. She runs away, she's like, oh no. And she sees more people and everywhere she goes is just these zombies. And she's like, no, please. And she runs away. And now she sees this 
super eerie image of just a bunch of like skeletal hands piled together with blood reaching for her. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Great art. And she's running away. They're reaching for her and they're coming. And she sees this door. She slams it open and, uh, you know, shuts it. Does she shut it? And she just runs into this room and she's lying on the floor, sitting on the floor. And there's all these like monsters just like closing in on her with that like white illustration. Super spooky. Just sad. <laughs> Again, a, a visual manifestation of the guilt that like and the 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 hardships just reach like reaching for ankles like all the time. Because this probably does happen to her all the time. She's just better dealing with it. But she's been triggered now, and now it's like literally coming to get her, and she has no means to process that or to deal with it. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll also I was also just reminded while you were describing the skeletons, like skeletons in the closet, um, and you know the things that she doesn't deal with there. Part of, I think, also the zombies is not just necessarily, you know, the people that she feels responsible as far as their deaths, but all the voices that, all the people that she couldn't save. Because we know that that's been established in a couple episodes that, you know, she feels guilty that she couldn't save someone. Not just that, you know, someone died because of her, but if she feels like she couldn't have saved somebody, she takes that on a little little personally. Um, So compile you know the innocence that she wishes that she could have saved that she feels responsible for to uh with the uh, others that she feels directly responsible for their deaths put that together and what do you got emotional skeletons in the closet <laughs> emotional damage <laughs> emotional damage yeah <laughs> uh, oh she has she just screams go away and you know the faces are now like fiery and her face is just like she looks so agonized like she doesn't know what to do with herself like it's just it's just overwhelming her and poor girl and yeah like we said before like she's she's like in kid mode so they really don't have any resources to deal with their emotions oh okay oh sorry continue It also kind of reminds me of just like a really extreme panic attack where like when you're having a panic attack you have no clue how to get yourself to like calm down you feel just trapped in a loop that just keeps getting worse mm-hmm. and worse you feel your mm-hmm. heart rate just like going like crazy and mm-hmm. you feel it literally just feels like a spiral and you like you try to like block everything out but then that can make it worse because then you're just trapped in your head and then it it it's all consuming and I get that vibe from this a lot where it's just she's stuck in a loop right now and she can't pull herself out of it and can't help but keep like focusing on it even though it appears like when we cut to like Kieran running around again I don't think the fireworks are going off anymore we don't really see any colors in the sky or anything so that like to me that implies that the fireworks have stopped but she's just stuck Mm -hmm. and can't calm down Mm -hmm. oh Yeah, she's like grabbing her head. It seems like she's, you know, trying to protect herself from those thoughts. Yeah, I thought your description was great. And she's like leaning down. Now we have, she's sobbing. We have the sobs. And now we see Kieran, you know, shouldering his way through the crowd, agitated, you know, 
and he, he remembers what Hecate said, find her and quickly. And he's just nervous. You see a little sweat drop. He's nervous for, for Morin. Aww. He loves her. <laughs> and what, running around, and now he hears sobbing coming from behind his door. So he stops puffing and puffing. He's been running hard and, you know, probably still not recovered from those injuries. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, opens the door. And he sees Lauren. Lauren's in a fetal position on the floor, right? The classic, you know, help me, save me, like, you know, reverting back to babyhood. And she's sobbing. She's shaking. Morgan oh, Kieran's like, Lauren? Oh. Mm. The emotions. Have you also, beautiful cry? Yeah. Like, I don't think he's ever seen her cry or be sad we see seen her be angry we mm-hmm. see her be upset seen her go off she's seen her like kind of like like when they were trapped in the basement in 105 she how she was kind of beginning to like think about like her death and all these things but he's never seen her broken and we've never seen her broken like this either and I it's he, I think for him, he thinks of Lauren as a very strong person, very put together and like knows what's up. But like he also knows that making her a child, like he doesn't know what's happened to her right now, right? Because she's a, a child in an adult's body, right? So seeing her like this, literally curled up and sobbing and curled up on the floor is just the last thing I think he would have expected to see. I actually disagree. I think he called this um, called this like uh, a long time ago. There are moments in other episodes, and I can't remember any specific words, but I do remember like in some some episodes, he'll like kind of tease her about um, you know her feelings and her stubbornness. I think he always knew that she was going to be really stubborn and reserved, but that doesn't mean that um, but that he knows that you know she has her motivations and she has her feelings. Um, just like in the scene where they first started talking about, you know, fighting crime together, where he's like, close friend, perhaps, bingo. So he does know how to get a rise out of her, and he does know what her um, trigger points is. I remember reading this panel and seeing his facial expression, and the one thing that I feel like came across, and I feel like the reason that he just kind of gave in and just like, all right, I'm here to support, not only because he's probably very emotionally aware of what she's going through right now, but also because he's like, oh, all right. I've been watching you hold back for a long time. It finally happened. It's here. I was ready for this moment. Didn't know when it was gonna happen, but it's here and I'm here for you. And um, shortly either in this panel or after this panel, I know you haven't said it yet, Mindy, but what you were saying, Bundan, about the loop, um, I love the way how in here, well, I don't love it because that means she's very traumatized, but, um, <laughs> you know, we get to see some of that loop and she's just repeating something to herself over and over again. She's not aware of her surroundings completely. Um, and, you know, and just kind of in that moment. Um, and I love that, you know, in this moment, it's so real that, uh, you know, <sighs> this is one of those healthy moments that it's like, oh, there's hope for this, this ship after all, um, where, you know, he's just like, and, you know, I'm going to be here. I'm going to support, I'm going to support in a healthy way. Um, we need to get out of here, but this is more important at the moment. 
And um, the practical point of that, of, you know, if we don't get out of this moment and somehow, you know, we're not going to get out of here at the right time. Um, and just, you know, but waiting for that and being there for her and helping her process that, or at least be able to move through the moment without forcing it to process beyond the pace that she's ready for. So that was really nice to see. Mm -hmm. So actually, just to go back, I remember, I just remember that I screenshot something that I wanted to talk about. Um, Jane Romerell from Facebook said that she thinks that when the voice said, look at me, that it's, she says, I have a suspicion that this look at me voice is trying to tell her that she saw something at Allendale that was a big clue that has repressed it because of all the trauma from that day. I think she's going to have to go back and face her memories bravely to see some evidence she's missed all this time. Which would also explain oh, I was the blindest of them all. Yes! Oh my gosh, you're so right! That would be crazy if that happens. That would be so good as like, it's, and it kind of shows her healing and dealing with this is what saves the day in the end yes that, that is, would be yeah that would be very on par for what we've seen from the authors of this so oh oh i get chills. a great story like thing thing plot point whatever such fulfillment yeah. such fulfillment Oh, I love fulfillment. That's so rare to find in a series. And the one thing I love about this series is that you do get those points where you feel that fulfillment. The payoffs, they are fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has like meaning to life and like where it's, right? If Lauren, like you said, like Lauren would be facing her fears and that would be like the, the reward, right? Is the answer. <laughs> you know, when you do the right thing, like you get the, you gotta reward for that sometimes you gotta get out of your own way mm-hmm. there's a heck of a way to begin <laughs> i wonder if that'll apply to kieran as well like hypothetically if this happens right because like facing your like the past and stuff is what would save lauren but also if kieran has to face his past he has to face all the people that he's killed and like all of that and I don't know how you can come back from that because like we discussed in the last episode, he it is not in his nature to be violent or to hurt people. So and then he's been doing it all for this promise that he made. And now like shining a light on that and like healing from that. I I can't even imagine the first steps of that. And I can't I don't know how the narrative will deal with it in the end because everybody's like will he get arrested would he be executed all these things I'm just like I don't want any of that but (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't even want to go there in my mind (laughs) I I honestly want there to be some sort of resolution that doesn't involve being arrested or being executed or something as finite as that I feel like to the sunset I know, right? Well, because then when you think about it, just like we were saying, like, Lauren does see herself as being responsible for some murders. Let's think about it from the practical legal standpoint. In this, in this universe, a lot of the legal things that are talked about in this, uh, in Purple Hyacinth do parallel with, you know, real legal things that happen on our side of the world. Um, And so if we're going to go by that at all, 
there's not, you know, there is some evidence uh, that some people could use to tie Lauren back to those murders in the first place. So if, you know, and obviously it's not the same as, you know, Kieran assassinating the crap out of how many people, but, you know, it, I feel like, I feel like I'm hoping, I'm just saying, I'm hoping there's not any kind of execution or any kind of I'm going to die things because I just feel like, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't feel complete. And also, I'm just so partial. I'm biased. Okay, I'm biased. <laughs> I have not met a single purple heist in the reader who wants anyone like here here. <laughs> no, I've never met anyone who wants that. So, all united. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I know people differ in if they think the story will have a happy end, uh, tra- happy or tragic ending, but I've never met anyone who wants a tragic ending. <laughs> You'd be surprised, uh, not re- particularly this fandom, but it is surprising sometimes what people want for the end result for their characters. It's like, no, <laughs> why would you ever want that? So anyway, so Kieran is like shocked when he sees Lauren. He's like, Lauren? And he sees her sobbing on the floor. She's shaking and he runs. He runs straight to her. He's just like, Lauren. Oh, and he grabs her in his arms and Lauren's like, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. You see, it's kind of like quieter. And he's like, Lauren, what are you saying? And he's, you know, picking her up. Oh, look at that man. Look at that concern. There is our hero, Kieran, that we knew was there all along. Oh, all along, he's just pretending he doesn't care. No, he does. That man is his heart of gold. And he is there for her. Oh, so emotional. And like, again, he doesn't know why she's acting like this and she's like struggling against him like shoving him like saying this stuff over and over and he's just like what's happening like he probably doesn't know if she injured is like whatever and but he doesn't care he's just immediately there to help her and I love it I love it so much (laughs) good friend right response appropriate (laughs) gold star (laughs) and Lauren's just like it sounds like she's screaming, her mouth is wide open, and he's dead. And Kieran doesn't know what she's talking about. And notice she does not ever say who is dead. This is a key point because we all, you know, wonder if Dylan did Kieran know Dylan, was Dylan the protectee? But Lauren never says his name. Oh, is he going to ask her pronoun that? game? Right. <laughs> and he's dead. Who is he, Lauren? <laughs> Plot relevant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has to be pushed off till the great reveal or the great twist or something like that and he's just like huh and he's like lauren lauren and he sounds like he's trying to kind of like get her to come you know be more articulating to, to explain herself and he's you know holding her hand and she's like he's dead oh my god she looks so panicked her eyes are ginormously wide open she just looks like completely overwhelmed with emotion like she cannot handle it like she's like max out Oh, poor, poor girl. Oh, and then she's like, she's crying. She's like, he's dead. He's, and Kira just like grabs her hand and is like, Lauren. And she's like, the hat, the explosion. And he just brings her and snuffles her against his chest. <sighs> Why do we always get Loki hugs over the most traumatic things that can never be over nice things? <sighs> Don't say that. I'm still holding out. Don't sabotage it. <laughs> we will get it. We will get, we will get a healthy hug. Healthy oh, hug. 
<laughs> healthy, happy hugs. We're gonna have it. Uh, yeah. This, this, you know, you know what I kind of like too um, is I like that you know it's illustrating like in the illustration he's completely like calm about it like his his mannerisms you know it's very clearly demonstrated in his posture and whatnot and it's really really nice to just be illustrated like that he's not really trying I at least to me it reads not that he's really trying to snap her out of it but he's kind of assessing where she is like hey I'm calling out to you you're gonna respond okay you're not responding all right we're just gonna ride this out and I think that's, you know, it's, it is nice to see this moment, not just cause, you know, it's oh, the ship, but also just cause, you know, it's nice to see, it's nice to see, I feel like part of Kieran's vulnerability arc is that, you know, he's allowing himself to rely on others and let others rely on him in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I feel like I'm hoping that at some point soon in a future episode, we'll get to see that with not just Lauren, but with other people that he's working with in the office. That would be nice. Um, so, but it's nice to have that. It's so refreshing. It's just so refreshing to see him let himself be vulnerable in that way. Yeah, what you said is true. You know, it's it's vulnerable not just to love someone, to let yourself be loved by someone, you know, to show that, that you, that you have that side to you, where you can give love, and you can, you know, be the receiver of love, that's, that's taking a risk, you know, that's really putting your heart in someone else's hands, and yeah, it took a long time for him to get there, but he's there. Yeah, I I wrote something last night on the server. I don't, um, I can only spend a bit of time on the server after um, updates because I've just been super busy and stuff and just dealing with everything. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff. Um, but I wrote something. Can I find it? I don't know when I'll be able to. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you remember when he just didn't want to touch her even if she had? You may have needed his support who was clearly going through stuff. Do you remember how he didn't want to hurt her more by touching her? Now he touches her and holds her without hesitation. And she, mm-hmm. and the feeling of his arms around her is what makes her feel safe and secure and calms her down. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, I you see the journey with him. Like, all through season two, he wouldn't reach out and touch her because he still did not feel, like, he didn't want to make her upset by that but also didn't feel like he could but by the end of season by the end of the season and like she he sees that she's like kind of afraid about dying and he pulls her in and just holds her and says it's okay I like I I just think that it's a great character progression where he kind of is like so willing to express like comfort in like a physical way just by holding her and like I don't know, man. It's it's his love language, physical touch. <laughs> like that would be <laughs> that would be crazy. But like even beyond like the ship takes, I think that it's um just shows the extent to which like he's allowing himself to feel human. That's like his one of his main things is that he doesn't want to lose the sense of the beauty of humanity, right? And so and to be human is to look out for your fellow people and try to make sure they're okay. So like 
him doing this is just an extension of one of his core values on top of all of that, him caring about her and stuff. And I just think that that's a cool thing that they showed. It is really cool. Uh, it's funny, um, you brought up, uh, you reminded me a long time ago, I was friends with someone and I remembered that we, you know, we were talking about the one Transformers movie where they just switched up the character that he was with, like who his girlfriend was. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying to me that something that's like so true that I didn't even think of until now. He's like, but I feel like there's two different kinds of couples, but it's interesting to see that in Purple Hyacinth, it's kind of like this. Like, and he was like, I don't care what happens if uh, you know, somebody and I go through the end of the world together, like, we're never breaking up. <laughs> we're together for life, because no one else can relate to that. And I feel like after this big explosion, I think that's true in that, you know, sometimes after you go through something really, really big together, um, where you are forced to be vulnerable, let's face it, that glass factory explosion, you did not have time to have pretenses. Like, it was a life or death scenario. So you're going to be real, and you're going to be raw, because that is what's necessary to even get through it. So, I feel like after that, that was the big, that was the deep breath. And now we're feeling the sigh and uh, continuing that vulnerability and that understanding between them that it's safe now. You know, there are no more pretenses. We just run through the end of the world together. So now we build from here. And uh, so sweet. So you reminded me of that. That was cool. Very well said. Uh, yeah, and like Wendell, what you were saying, how being in his arms calms her down. That's exactly what happens. She's like tugging at his cloak and she's like <laughs> she's panting, tugging, and then her arm like she stops tugging and she just trembles and then calms down. Like she's more still. And she's just leaning against his chest and she's just sobbing and like oh, sniffing. She has like, tears running down. She has her eye makeup all smudged. And she's just expressing grief and allowing herself to. The, to be vulnerable on his chest and yet she doesn't like consciously she doesn't know who that is really right I think just emotionally she feels comfortable with him like she recognizes that she can trust him even though consciously she wouldn't even be able to tell you who he is except for he's like the handsome guy she saw earlier you know <laughs> yeah um that whole thing about um her not knowing who he is but like right like if she's emotionally like why am I sad about the lanterns and the fireworks and whatever in a way we can be like why am I like oh I'm comfortable now right again she doesn't know why but again on a subconscious level she knows probably who he is and is really leaning on him to to help calm her down and just kind of letting that catharsis kind of begin to wash over her in a way because like I don't like when I, I cry when I stop crying over something, like if once it eventually like, peters off, I feel a lot better a lot of the time because it's just like a release of emotions. So I feel like that's why we see her so much more like calm and is like almost back to normal. Like she was able to like be in Kieran's arms helped her calm down. But once like she was allowed to just let the cry finish, it's just kind of like a a release of that like tension, you know, of that that horror that she was experiencing. Oh, poor girl. Oh, she has watchful Kieran. Kieran's looking down at her and just really, you know, observing what's going on with her and paying attention and kind of mulling over in his mind, like, well, what's going on? But, you know, why is she like this? And then we see this beautiful silhouette, similar to the factory, where we see everything in white, 
And you just see her nestled in his arms and like she's in between his legs and she's just leaning against his chest and his arms are around her and it's so, so beautiful. Oh, I, I actually went to sleep wishing I would like daydream about this, but, but I didn't. <laughs> also, can we agree that he like is he like kissing her head? Yes. So in the next panel, like, he totally he puts his hand on her head and he totally kissing her forehead, totally or forehead or top of her hair or whatever. I could see it either way. No, oh, think that yes. in my heart. <laughs> but what's the alternative? Like, what is that? Just a nuzzle, like like Bollywood kiss. <laughs> like yeah, kissing the crown over your head or something like, like just um, nuzzling like lions. Totally kissing. It's she just forgot to write kiss letter. We should write it in for her. <laughs> now kiss. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, yeah. Okay. Even I, the nuzzling, which I still think it's a kiss, it is just so beautiful and showing like how close he feels. That is like the extra step, you know. That is. To comfort her, to honestly, even for himself, I think, to just feel close to her. Oh, for him to do that, to show that love, to show that affection. Oh, so amazing. I think. Okay. Oh, you can go first. You can no, go first. You, you show up. Okay. Um, I think that, like, this is a slow burn. We know what we were getting into when we've started this, right? I love slow burn, enemy slippers type vibes, right? And the thing about this is that you really have to just wait. And it's these increment, like they begin to get closer at these incrementally more frequent moments, right? In the narrative, right? So it, for it to feel like it's taking so long, I'm like, yeah, but it's once it's done, it's going to be so good. Right, like you can't rush these things. Would I love if they got together right now? Of course, but at the same time, I feel like that's too fast. We have not, we've not dealt with all of our issues. We haven't truly been vulnerable about these things with each other. We need to go a lot further in order to get to that end point. And I think I love just these little moments going throughout. That's all I need. I know some people might not like that or like it might just be too slow or like whatever I don't know for me I think that this is an adequate pace and an adequate an adequate progression of the relationship and I just hope that this marks the point where they really begin to get more real with each other I want that Kieran is going to be curious about what this is now he heard about the a hat and the explosion and Lauren, no, like if Lauren asks him, he can't lie and say something else. He has to tell her the truth in order for him to, like, he has to tell her the truth because she'll know if he lies about something. I mean, he could maybe leave things out, but if she's like, was that all I said? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I want to, like, I, like, that is the next, like, step in my mind that will lead to the emotional, like, reckoning with each other and I want it and it's like it's set up it's being set up and I can't wait mm -hmm. yes that's what I'm hoping but uh, I want to discuss it more when we like us finish mm -hmm. um but yes I think that now we have Orpheus and Zephyr ruining the moment by opening the door or the door's open actually uh, right he didn't even close it when he came in 
Mrs. Ransridden. And they barge in on this tender moment. They're like, oh, there they are. I was ready to kill them. Why are you here now? <laughs> oh. And, you know, Kieran looks at them. Um, you know, she's still sobbing. And he's like, I got it now. I got it now. <laughs> Comes over and he, you know, so pulls Lauren. She's looking at him. She's still sniffling and crying. And he says, listen to the sound of my voice. Close your eyes and let yourself slumber as it becomes not but a whisper. As you drift, don't try to resist. Your eyes are closing. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's her nose. I can't even figure out what I'm looking at over there. Her forehead? It's like, does she have like her knees up to her chest, maybe? Oh, like that is in her knees. Okay. And she's like, now it's time for you to come back to us. Snap. And she jolts up. And she rubs her eyes, and you see, you know, everyone's standing around her, looking at her. Kieran's now on his haunches. She's like, what the? And she sees that her blood, no, um, dirty. <laughs> and he's like, and she's like, Lauren, are you, Kieran says, Lauren, are you okay? And she's like, what happened? Why do I have tears on my cheeks? She don't remember a thing. And he's like, you don't remember anything? And she's like, what do you mean? Looks up at him, and no. <laughs> Uh, Zephyr's like, what happened is that this moron had been trying his new hypnosis trick, but didn't bother to learn how to undo it. And she's dragging him out, like holding him by the ear. And he's like, I, I, I am sorry. But, see, oh, was, and I say, I totally said the word wrong names. Anyway, sorry. Ar- like, Artemis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Like, but you have seen that already? I'm, it worked. I'm the best. No, you're not the best. If it worked, that does not equal you're the best, but okay. <laughs> but not impressed. Oh. I have to say oh, how much. Oh no, sorry, I didn't realize. Yeah, no, I'm like, it's very funny. But I was like, why now? You're interrupting. <laughs> I love this scene, and uh, reading this scene, it was, you know, it was one of those moments that brought back to me why I love this webtoon so much. A lot of the best. I was talking about this with somebody recently. A lot of the best, like TV shows and serialized stuff have that wonderful mix of you know the serialized episodes where we're following a long-term story and then episodic episodes that even though it's like a one-off story it's still what it does that sometimes we take for granted a lot is that it gives you those moments to buy that these characters are real people like in our everyday life, yeah, we have long-term projects we're working on, but we still have the day where we got to go to work and then come back and deal with that project, you know? So during that time, we're doing things, we're living a life. So these episodic moments, like this just one-off moment of, this is the time where they go to the circus and Lauren gets hypnotized. And yeah, we have some serial callback moments, but a lot of these other moments, these beats of, you know you know, Kieran and Lauren interacting as real people, but not necessarily working on the mission. You know, this moment where there's an event of, you know, the circus is having this memorial, this moment of, you know, uh, these two performers and like just their everyday struggle of, oh, crap, (laughs) we hypnotized her too much and I didn't know the formula back. This particular scene just reminded me of, it made it feel like so much more fleshed out for me as a series and a believable world and believable characters. Um, So this scene was like super beautiful in that way, I feel. And uh, yeah, it was wonderful. 
Oh, yeah, that's a nice way of describing it. Serial and episode. By the way, your video disappeared. I don't know if you are aware. <laughs> so now they leave and Kieran and Lauren are just left staring after them at the door. And Lauren looks at Kieran and he asks, again, you really don't remember anything? And she, you know, holds her head and she's like, no, I remember we were looking for Raphael, but after that, it's just a huge blank. Ugh, my arm hurts so much more than before, though. But remember we talked about this on the podcast. We're like, she's doing cartwheels. Like, how is she doing that with her injuries? And we're like, yes. <laughs> it did affect her. I, <laughs> I, mean, I saw a guy get hypnotized once to think that he was Steve Irwin, and he was given an inflated crocodile that he was then told was his wife, and he began to slow dance with it. Uh, so... <laughs> Crazy things happen with hypnosis. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that there's you know actual repercussions. And he passes her a handkerchief or something, or a tissue, which Kieran, the gentleman, he's like, that Murphy's guy made you revert back to a younger self. I guess his hypnosis made you forget your own injuries. And she's wiping her face and she says, thank you. And he's just staring at her intently, which to me, like his eyes are narrowed and he has this a little bit of like a grimace on his lips I see that as like he's like okay I just saw a part of you Lauren that you never exposed to anyone and like now you're back to normal but I know what's hidden under the surface I know you carry around this tremendous grief over someone who's dead who you were close to that you hadn't told me about and I know that's inside you now and like now I I see a deeper part of you that I've never seen before I think that he also feels like a bit like this was something I wasn't supposed to see, and he feels kind of like he's invaded a part of her privacy. Obviously, it wasn't his fault, and he really had to, like, be there for her to, like, um, help her through that, but yeah, he now knows this information, and I think he kind of feels a bit uncomfortable with it. Like, when you learn about something from someone that you know that you shouldn't know, you do really feel, like, a type of way you feel like you've invaded their privacy that you've intruded onto a part of themselves so I imagine that's what he feels like right now I totally read the same I totally read the same on that one yeah and now now that we know that Lauren doesn't remember I want to know is he going to bring this up at at some point in the future like what's he going to do now that he has some information I don't think he will. I think kind of like we talked about earlier how, you know, he's not usually the one to, he hesitates in terms of initiating the vulnerable contact. I don't think that's necessarily changed. I think even in this scene where, you know, he inquired several times before, you know, he, and he let her show him that he had permission to console her physically in that way. So I think once again, he may may not drop little teases, little hints, um, kind of like you were alluding to earlier, Bundan, but I don't think he's ever going to like directly just be like, hey, you said this, tell me, do explain. Like, I don't think he's ever going to do that. Um, I think at this point, they know each other well enough as characters that A, I think he knows that he doesn't need to do that because she will be direct. Um, B, uh, he knows that if he goes on the offensive too much, she'll just shut down or she'll snap back. Um, so I think there's that awareness of boundary by now. Um, so I don't think necessarily that we're going to see that. But I do think it'll be interesting to see 
if and when it comes up, how it does and how he responds to any of her inquiries that she gives. He might respond with more of a direct question, but I don't think he's going to just be in her face about it. I think that would be, um, uh, what's that word? Antithetic? Antithetic. The opposite of the development that we've seen with him. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to add one of the things that I do like about this uh, webtoon, um, like these emotional moments where it's like, it seems sometimes like in the context, it seems like he's being really gallant. Um, but, and sometimes it seems like she's being really, you know, nice and uh, gallant and romantic and whatnot in her own way. But I love how sometimes these things are just watching him be like, do like basic, decent human things in public. And that's like his character arc. And when you think about it, um, it actually, it does carry some weight in this comic. Cause I mean, let's face it, he's not living a normal everyday life, but just to throw it out there, like if someone does this for you in regular everyday life, just remember, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to be. <laughs> Don't accept anything less. That's like basic tier level good friendness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just throwing that out there. Oh, um, I wonder though. If this is just a small thing, I wonder if he understands that opening that door and asking her to give, like, to explain some of this, opens the door for her asking him to explain his stuff and I don't think he's prepared to do that I think that's something we might like maybe towards like the end of this season Mm -hmm. I I, like I would love to learn more about him sooner rather than later but at the same time like you know these are two very um emotionally uh repressed people so it takes a lot to get them to take that step so Mm. I think, now that you mentioned it, I think that this might be the thing to push him to reveal something about himself. What mm-hmm. if, you know, he, he I'm pretty sure he's going to take a while to think about it. Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to, like, go through a thing in his head, like, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I going to do this? But I, I can see him saying, hey, Lauren, let's sit down. I want to talk to you about something. And, like, telling her, hey, you know, this is what happened when you were hypnotized. You broke out. You were talking about this guy who was dead. You were, like, Borsabe. Tell me what happened. And, like, I want to share with you, you know, I also went through something similar or I lost someone that was close to me. So I understand what you're feeling. I could totally, I could see it. I just feel like he's ready. I hope, I really hope he is. I want to see that. I want to see them talk to each other. Finally, like they don't do it. They have to talk to each other. I can see something like that happening. I can see this being like the initial opener. Mm -hmm. I don't see it being the end result that, you know, he reveals suddenly everything. I don't see that happening. But no. I do, I can totally see what you're saying, Mindy. I could see that happening in like, a, yeah, I can totally relate to that kind of loss. You know, don't, you, this is, this is normal, you know, normalizing her emotions in that way and making her feel secure in that way. Cause that is one thing that we do get to see throughout when it comes to the more nuanced stuff where she feels like she's unrelatable. She suddenly has somebody unexpectedly to relate to with these kind of uh, different experiences. So that's his wheelhouse, man. So I can totally see that happening. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that. Maybe I'm too optimistic. But I I do think that at the very least, he'll do what you said, Veronica. He'll do the the hints and like, he'll do little questions that like, he knows he's trying to get some information out of her. Like that at the very least, I see him doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that happening 
in maybe like two episodes. I feel like the next episode we're going to see, you know, I'm hoping we're going to see them A, get out of the situation safely, um, but B, I think there's something completely different that we're going to see in the next episode. Yeah, well, I think it will go to Raphael, but that's, I guess, uh-huh. yeah. So she wipes her, oh, sorry, but then you were saying? No, I was just agreeing. Yeah. So she wipes her eyes and she's like, we, with all this, we lost track of Raphael. We don't know anything more on the last night you're delivering that they're awaiting. So she's annoyed because they haven't, you know, back to business, Lauren, right? Like she just wants to get their mission done. And mm-hmm. he helps pick her up off the floor. He doesn't even ask. He just helps her because <laughs> he's a gentleman. And he says, we're close to the curfew anyway. Let's just go home for now. Notice he did not say, let's go to your house. Let's go to my house or whatever. Let's get out of here. He says, let's go home. Oh, I'm pretty sure he just means let's go to our respective homes, but. Home. He, or either. either. <laughs> what if it's home. close to curfew and she's like has to call uncle on the phone they're like hey i gotta stay out because but she's an officer she's allowed to be out she's in her uniform though yeah, yeah she's in her uniform but i assume she has like some form of id but i guess she that's like you know using her position to her advantage which i don't know also i just want to say one thing before we move on to the last scene she did have eye makeup on both eyes because both eyes had the black stuff. So uh-huh. Kieran fully did eyeliner on both of her eyes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, I really hope this gets turned into like a movie series. I don't necessarily, or like a limited series. And I, I just can't wait to see the makeup artist skills in this scene. Like certain scenes like that where I'm just like, yes. Oh, I feel like it would, I always picture this as like an animated series just because I can't picture any man to measure up to Kieran in real life. So yes. that's how I picture it personally. But like, you know, either way, it would be love to, I would love to see this be adapted and shared with more people. I, I, I like never, I'm not like the kind of person who like wants a lot of money, but suddenly I felt a like a sudden a strong urge for like a million dollars so I can commission <laughs> anime to happen I'm no, not no, no. no no we are giving this the biggest budget and okay, we could sorry, really, 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 yes. at least 500 million because we want every we want this to be the best because it deserves the best and we want something okay. to have creative control because i would hate for a stu- like a studio or something to take this and just make it like obviously you have to have changed some things with adaptation to make it a good adaptation like doing it word for word is never like the right choice but having Sophie and F be involved, I feel so good. I want it so yes. I love that. I think I think the one thing that I would definitely change if there was an adaptation, I would age them up a little bit. I feel like the parameters for because uh, the timeline sometimes I'm like, that's an awful quick time to be approved as a detective. Um, so in that way, like it doesn't quite line up for me. Um, just aging them up a little bit, I think would be a little more realistic. But yeah, I agree. We need creative control in the hands of someone who really, really cares and is going to do right by this. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, just going back a little bit to the panel, um, as far as uh, Lauren be allowing herself to be helped up, that is not something she would have, going back to what you were talking about, Bundan, I can think of the bathroom scene again of where he's like, are you okay? And she's like, she just pulled out a gun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. oh all right so <laughs> oh. 
anyway, um, yeah, so now we have our next scene when we go to, uh, we see a street lamp and we see Raphael walking along a wall and he's hooded and we just see, you know, he looks contemplative. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know if he looks like it to you. And now we hear a voice, APD, it is past curfew hours. And Raphael's hand goes to the pistol at his, wa- at, at his waist. And we see an officer behind him. And he says, please state your business, sir. And I'm like, is that Will? And then guess what? We got our pizza. We are the APD. It's Will shining a light on his brother. And he said, it's past curfew hours. State your business. I didn't think it was going to be. It was only as I was getting to it. I was like, like I realized it as I scrolled. I was like, William. <laughs> Ooh, the brothers drama continues. Oh my gosh, that's gonna be awesome. I have a uh, minor point. Raphael's technically wearing a hood, right? But in the last panel, you like see his hair, which doesn't make any sense. But okay. <laughs> I I just wonder what if Raphael just turns and like shoots, not even <laughs> thinking, and shoots Will. <laughs> he and then he's like there, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And it's like, it's like, do I help him? Do I not? I would love like. Please help him, Will. If you, I mean, please help Will Raphael if you do shoot him. Like, but I hope you don't shoot him. That was so much drama. I thought I, I kind of assumed he would recognize his voice, but the truth is, he only heard him once in all these years since he was a kid. So yeah, he probably wouldn't remember that voice. Oh my God, maybe. <gasps> mm. uh, that is, uh, that is true. Like he might not just, he just doesn't recognize Will's voice. He's only heard him say a few things to him in ten years. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, the, it, whatever's going to happen next episode, it's probably going to continue with Raphael Will, and it's going to be so dramatic. I'm so excited. Yes, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I love this author's note in particular because it makes a reference to one of my favorite comfort shows, uh, other webtoons, Lanterns and Fireworks equals Kiss Kiss Fall in Love, Meanwhile Purple Hyacinth. what is is it referring to so it's the it's a very famous line in the opening of an anime called oran high school host club which is ridiculous and it is just a fun dumb like wacky old anime from like 2006 and i watched it for the first time in college it is one of my favorite things so yeah it's just like fireworks and lanterns and kiss kiss fall in love (laughs) <laughs> and it's also kind of a meme now, just saying yeah, that. But... I see the text. I just I didn't know it was from that anyway. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, any final thoughts on the episode? I hope that we get more emotional development with them now. And this is the the starting point. This is the the nucleus, the seed that will grow into a beautiful tree of uh emotional vulnerability and processing emotions and all of that uh we need it i would love to see it amen amen oh i i was so touched by this episode it was so beautiful so stirring i was so happy to see them develop to this point it just made me feel so full mm. this is my favorite kind of episode i was so happy reading this one too like oh not happy i was just like it's like you're seeing the progress of just the development of the relationship, not necessarily even in a romantic way, but just them being more real and like kind of like processing things by proxy. It can ha- it will happen soon. I feel it. Hype. Um, also, I was very happy that uh, we had Veronica on today. She was very great. Um, 
to talk to and to listen to her um, points that she had. Yeah, Veronica, hi. <laughs> um, yes, well, we will, she disappeared, but um, her computer or something. But anywho, yeah, thank you so much. And um, it was awesome. Thank you to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Jenny, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe Michelle, Saucy Tuggles, Ann Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Patty, Emilda, Esther, I'm watching people, First Poppy Seed, Marie, Emily, Jean, Jen, Erin, Kate, Lily, Beckett, Sarita, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Daniel, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Jen, Tatiana, and Louisa. Your support is truly appreciated.